interview. Like, he makes you wait, and then he's a real dick. So... He seems like one of those so, actors. Even though I like enjoy him so much on screen, The Drop was like one of my favorite movies of 2019 or whatever year it was. But when I see him, I'm like, you're not cool. He's well, still cool. He, he's still cool. He could just be like, you know. Be nicer. Well, he could be one of those introverted celebrities who doesn't really like the life. So, so he could do theater. That's how I feel about that. Like <laughs> promo comes with the life. You no, have to be because, nice to I mean, people. We'll introduce the podcast in a second, but there's a lot of discussion about, you know, athlete. A lot of athletes are are opting out. Of That's different. Press athletes are not. You don't want to hear from athletes. Like they don't have anything interesting to say. <laughs> Actors are different. I'm not a sports person. I don't care about the Olympics. There's no actor with anything interesting to say. Yeah, actors. Whenever actors try to say things, usually it turns out poorly for them. So, yeah. no, I'm, I don't I'm, care. What I'm they with have Hardy to say. now. Yeah, you can't be openly hostile. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He that's gets the whole thing. It. It's like don't show up. I think that's the whole thing. It's like don't. It's like that's. I saw this about Joaquin Phoenix too. It's like if you don't want to do interviews, just don't do. No, them. but they contractually right. have to. Yeah. See, Joaquin Phoenix. Now he's a jerk in real life. I feel yes. that very strongly. I don't. You can tell by way. his face. Yes. But like he also his actions. I don't feel that way about Tom Hardy. Like Tom Hardy, I can excuse him being mm-hmm. kind of a jerk in interviews because he seems like a cool dude otherwise. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix just seems like not a cool dude all around. Agreed. Another case where extreme handsomeness wins. I think he also has a bunch of rescue dogs. <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy? Hardy, yeah. yeah. You... He's a big dog lover. Yes. Thanks to the movie The Drop, I bet. Welcome back to Box Office Bylines. <laughs> A podcast about movies, about journalism, with extra special long intro. The papers, the posts, and the proxies. Hudsucker, that is. And I am Jacob Boone, journalist in Yellowknife Northwest Territories, joined, as always, by... Tara Thorne in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And Tara, we've made a lot of jokes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, Here we are. Superhero movies. And this is our first journalism superhero movie because we haven't talked about any of the supermans or pepper pots she's is not she a journalist, journalist. No. there we go she's a journalist. <laughs> what does she do she's her like shirt gets blown off manager yeah. all her right shirt gets blown off it does all right okay. today we are talking about venom from 2018 directed by ruben fleischer uh, really more of a comedy director who's, who's executive producer, I think, showrunner of Superstore. Huh, written I didn't Jeff, know that. Yeah. Written by Jeff Pinkner, Scott Rosenberg, and Kelly Marcel, uh, who Marcel is also the co-writer of Cruella, Fifty Shades of Grey, and a frequent collaborator with star Tom Hardy. Also Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed, Johnny, Johnny Slate, Jenny Slate. Ah, uh, Johnny Slate. And more. Uh, and joining us, that voice that you have been hearing, she is a staff writer for The New Republic, covering Congress and all things political, previously a political reporter with CBS News, joining us from Washington, D.C., where all the president's men and many famous journalism movies were set. <laughs> we're excited to have with us Grace Seegers. Hello. Hello. Sorry about and my cat in the background. I also have a cat in the background. It's great. No, yeah, no. I have a plush cat. Pusheen cat somewhere in my background. 
Uh, Grace, you were one of the first people we ever interacted with on our... Is he okay? No, he's good. He's just being bad. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell him not to be bad silently. It's not being very successful. But continue. <laughs> continue. You were one of the first people we ever interacted with on our uh, not-use-that-much Twitter account because you had tweeted, and I should have actually pulled the tweet up to remind myself, but uh, do you remember specifically the tweet you said about Venom? God, no. I don't remember any of the tweets I send. I just say it so was much ridiculous. something along the lines of, like, Venom as the perfect or very a very good investigative journalism movie. <laughs> I mean, And it we is. said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about it? And it took a while because we're not good at this. Um, but timing worked out because we have a sequel, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So it's good timing to go back and revisit the first film in the Venom franchise. Why do you like this movie and why did you want to talk about it? Um. So first of all, it's just a really ridiculous movie. It's a silly concept. Um, and I enjoy movies where... Uh, you know, it's not taking itself too seriously. And sometimes with superhero movies, they tend to take themselves very seriously. And Venom knows that it's ridiculous and it kind of leans into it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate a movie knowing what it is and having fun. Um, so that's a reason I like it. I also like it because the main character, Eddie Brock, is a journalist um he works for like fake vice news in the beginning of the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and he just in many ways to me exhibits some key characteristics of journalists like uh you know being socially awkward and uh not broke. having a well-stocked <laughs> broke not having a well-stocked <laughs> fridge um you know, he just, he's kind of a loser, which is repeated uh, throughout the movie. And, you know, not to denigrate my own profession, but I would say that most of us probably weren't the most popular kids in high school. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I just find him very relatable. I mean, most of us don't look like Tom Hardy. I'm always going to in there. But he does do a good job of, I, I, I've known and been aware of that sort of like schlub loser of a reporter who maybe is a very handsome guy but his life's a disaster <laughs> and he's really only good at just like being an ass to rich people during interviews which I is mean, a great skill to have yeah but... that's a that's a good skill to have Someone needs to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Someone's got to Yeah, do I wasn't it. sure if he worked for, like... I thought at first he was just, like, his own independent, like, internet reporter, but then he goes for a meeting with his editor at the network. So yeah. I guess it is kind of like a Vice-type thing. And he gets assigned a puff piece to do some damage control because this Elon Musk-type <laughs> billionaire has had his uh, rocket ship blow up. Timely. Um, but this rocket ship contained several alien symbiotes or symbiotes or symbionts. I feel like it's pronounced several different ways throughout the movie. I think it's symbiotes. Um, and he then sneaks a look at his girlfriend, fiance? Fiance. Girlfriend. Fiance's 
legal briefs because she's representing the person he's going to go interview in the wrongful death suits. Gets himself fired, gets her fired. That's not really great journalism ethics. Yeah, no, that's that's bad. Um, and I mean, that's just kind of a jerk move to your partner too. To you know, look in her laptop without her permission and take information um, and use it in an interview. Uh, at some point in the movie, his girlfriend says something like, "You are." extremely self-absorbed and that is a very self-absorbed thing to do um and is it it doesn't there's not much journalistic integrity there as well no i don't think and she dumps him right away like she agrees Mm -hmm. with you she's Mm -hmm. like i got fired we're done there is no discussion and doesn't get back together with her she finds like a very nice doctor boyfriend six months later who's not like a jerk character which, for that actor, he normally does play that, Reed Scott. Yeah. He actually, yeah. speaking of Washington, a, a star of Veep, big fan. Oh. This movie, I said this to you, Jacob, this movie is like a Sundance movie that fell into a nuclear reactor. Like, all of the people in it are hipster indie film people, mm-hmm. all yeah. doing this big motion picture franchise. Franchise motion picture. That is an interesting theory um also i will note that uh nice doctor boyfriend's name is dan which is the same character name that reed scott plays in veep he also plays someone named dan two very different dans yeah looks like a dan though (laughs) he exhibits big dan vibes big dan energy (laughs) well to your point from earlier grace about the ridiculousness of this movie, which is, I think I hadn't seen it before. And one of the reasons I actually enjoyed it is that it, it it doesn't feel like the typical Marvel movie that we're used to, which I think probably comes from the fact that it was in association with Marvel. So it's like a Sony picture from whatever giant trillion dollar deal they made to get Spider-Man in the Avengers movies. And so it does remind me of those earlier 2000 superhero films good and bad like Ghost Rider or um, Punisher Warzone or something where they're like the template hadn't been solidified yet so people were still trying different things and there was more personality even if the films weren't good you never always knew what you were going to get and and this after coming off a decade of Marvel movies <laughs> where everyone talks with the same sort of quippy witticisms and they're always trying to like stop the laser in the sky to have a movie where Tom Hardy is like cursing and yelling at his like parasite goo like they have like (laughs) straight up fights it's odd and strange and that's refreshing at this stage yeah um I think how I describe Venom um is that it's like a rom-com kind of only if one of the main characters was this kind of schlubby loser and the other main character was a uh, parasite an alien parasite Um, because it does follow a lot of rom-com beats where you know they have a kind of meet cute and at first they don't get along and they're fighting a lot and there's this kind of tension Um, and then uh, but they realize you know that they have more in common and they start to work well together 
then they break up uh physically <laughs> physically yeah. break up um and that's kind of sad for both of them for a while and then they get back together i mean how venom re-enters eddie's body is through a kiss and technically venom is a vessel for his ex-girlfriend at that moment super weird moment just very <laughs> very bizarre because it's like who is kissing right now is it yeah. is it the parasite or is it the girlfriend or is it both no one knows um so they have their kiss and then at the end they live happily ever after together so i think it's a rom-com in a lot of ways wow yeah it's interesting because they <laughs> it's venom and eddie brock that get back together at the end not him and michelle williams indeed happiness and then they go <laughs> eat a man yeah and then they you know eat a man as as couples often do that's a cute couple activity i did not to get into like weird pedantic biological stuff but like if venom eats a dude's head is that in tom hardy's stomach yes i i was also wondering this I don't know. At the end, he it seems like he eats a full human being. Right. And, you know, we kind of see what it kind of appears to be is that the venom uh, creature is like a shell and Tom Hardy's in there in the, somewhere. Yeah. So I don't know. It is weird. Unclear. I, I don't I don't know if I want to know the answer. <laughs> we'll get tweets. Don't worry. <laughs> box box bylines tell us uh as you mentioned grace it is sort of a romance and the second life that this film kind of had is that it was embraced by the queer community on tumblr not second yes. life it was almost immediately embraced and uh lots of fan art that people probably shouldn't google at work um lots of slash fiction and it did if i remember correctly it got like the studio switch marketing like almost immediately from action-centered hero's journey to rom-com between man and alien parasites. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a very smart move yeah. to do so because that is a better way to watch this movie, even though it does still kind of have to end with some big giant fight on a rocket ship. But and I, think... I also like that the villain was like the Chad of Venoms. He's like bigger <laughs> and more confident in himself. <laughs> and that's who Venom had to beat. The trailer for the new movie, too, um, has some kind of, like, cute moments between Tom Hardy and the alien parasite. I similarly just think the producers were like, we know who our core market is, and we're going <laughs> to advertise to them. This is going to be the, the before sunset of the Venom trilogy. <laughs> 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 and then they'll make another surprise one in 10 years and it's like yeah. ah now they've got kids they have, they have like kids each other. <laughs> yeah i would that would be amazing <laughs> and tom hardy would knock that out of the park he'll look the same he'll look amazing yeah yeah that's true he is one of those <laughs> actors that doesn't seem to age mm -hmm. very Paul much Rudd. ant-man <laughs> venom and ant-man venom and ant-man and Ant-Man like also set in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. And also by a comedy director with a lot of comedic actors in it, and yet doesn't really reach the weirdness that Venom does, I think, because of that Marvel hand being pretty tight on it. Mm -hmm. 
Tara, what did you think? Did you like this movie? Well, Not you you really. mentioned okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had a very funny observation about Jenny Slate. Oh yeah, Jenny Slate's name is literally Doctor Skirt, and she Skirt. wears glasses. Th. So you know she's a scientist. I was like, oh, perhaps this is self-aware. I don't think it is. I think, I think they were was. like, I don't. I don't know if that's an original character, but I that I feel like that probably was Doctor Skirt, and then they added the H, so it wouldn't be as obvious. But it, I don't. This know. feels very self-aware. It reminded me of the hot lady um, scientist in Transformers: Fall of the Fallen, or whatever it was, the last one. There's like just this blonde lady, and they're like, she's like a blonde model, and they're like, here, put some glasses on her. <laughs> she's a scientist. Um, okay, well, I think you're giving the movie too much credit, but let's <laughs> say that's true. Um, the line between a good and a bad Marvel movie is so thin for me um, at all times. Even the ones I like, I'm like, I hate 20% of it. So <laughs> I, it was the stat, the, the, the ratio going in wasn't that great. Like, I liked the character stuff, but once they start getting into fights and space and like a lot of movement where I never know where I am, it loses me, especially like on a TV where it can't <laughs> be over you. Yeah. And I thought the venom effect, like his face and stuff, and that was really bad. I don't like oh, it. Okay. I don't like his face. I don't no. like the tongue. I don't like it. No. It's creepy. Why? I don't like the teeth. I don't like the eyes. I'm with you on that one. I think that yeah. aesthetically, it is very displeasing to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> the character design, that is. Totally. It was interesting to see Riz Ahmed in like a villain role because he's such a slight yeah. man. Like, I, it's always interesting when they cast, like, a Jesse Eisenberg or whatever as a villain. You're like, interesting. Especially since, you know, I love Sound of Metal and he was so beautiful and open and, and sensitive in that movie. And then in this, he's just like, bah, I am, yeah, Elon Musk, basically. And all uh, of his, like, wonderful scenes where he's, like, convincing other people yeah. that he's good. Like, when he, like, silences the other kids for trying to silence the one girl asking a question. He's yeah. like, no. yeah. Like, he is truly the hero of his story. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Riz Ahmed in that movie, he's just like, I'm here to chew the scenery, and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna do it as I give this speech about Isaac in the Bible that is biblically, like, kind of flawed, but the point is that I'm gonna sell the hell out of this speech, (laughs) and he does, and good for him. I'm glad he got that sweet, sweet Marvel money. Um, well, so speaking of which, indies. you know who did not sell the scene, chew the scenery, nor sell the hell out of it? Michelle Williams. I'm like, what are you doing here? You do not care. It's like one of the worst girlfriend roles I've seen in a Marvel movie. And I, that's saying a lot. I would disagree. I think they have actually really great chemistry at the start of the movie before they break off. When they're when like, they have that little they're restaurant like scene. In, consistently, constantly in love. And then she immediately yeah. breaks up with him. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they pl- I just I just felt like they gave her nothing. They gave her they also nothing. Also have to sex, do. which is very rare in a superhero movies these days. Mm-hmm. So well, that was nice. I mean, only alluded to because it is yeah, a superhero movie. But even movie. that like it doesn't get I was trying to think like I think Iron Man the first one was the last time like we saw a superhero going to bed with someone even if it was a very 1940s like pan away from the bedroom yeah. <laughs> type shot. But and then you cut it's... to them sleeping and they're both fully clothed. It was sure. it was pretty pretty PG. Oh, well, it's a PG. Marvel. Is it PG thirteen? Yeah, yeah it's PG thirteen. Yeah, I know that it's 
All right. I know it's PG-13 um, because I always pay attention in PG-13 movies. Uh, PG-13 movies are allowed one F word. So I always look to see where it comes in. You're just waiting for it. I'm just waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a point uh, towards the end of the movie when uh, they're about to fight Riot, the big Chad parasite. (laughs) And uh, Tom Hardy says, F it, let's do it. Um, and I was like, "That's it. That's the one. You You're allowed yeah. one, and it can't be about it can't be about the sex like sex acts. Like it has to uh, be just a swear." Well, yeah. that was a good time for it. Yeah, thanks, MPAA. Yeah, <laughs> these are I great mean, rules. They are they are ridiculous <laughs> rules in the MPAA. Is trash. Well, especially if you think of like a PG, like all the PG Marvel movies, and how many people are killed in them. <laughs> We're like, well, it's they're all PG thirteen. Um. Still. I don't think there's ever been a PG Marvel movie. I wonder if Marvel's We're just always... saving up those F bombs. Like, if you're PG 13 and you don't use it, can you have two no. in the next one? We are often <laughs> one rating lower than America here in Canada. Like, if it's mm-hmm. PG 13 there, it'll be PG here. So, every Marvel movie I've seen has been rated PG. Oh, that's weird. We do have a different system, yeah. Like, we have AA? No, we have 14. Oh, okay. So goes PG fourteen R. I like the R movies are so few and far between. Are there a lot of R rated movies in the U.S. still? I don't know. Mm. Oh, like mm. Lars von Trier and stuff, probably. But like, well, but like, yeah, who watches Lars von Trier? You know, <laughs> it's like famous American filmmaker. Uh, what? Yeah, King but... of the multiplex. <laughs> oh yes, Lars, Lars von Trier. <laughs> They're lining up. Uh, yeah, I I don't really know if we have that many R-rated. We don't have many R-rated action movies. Um, with lots of murder the, that yeah. should be, yeah. I they want to make the big now bucks. as streaming becomes more popular because like you don't have theater ticket goers like keeping the kids out. Mm. So you're not like yeah, kids shouldn't watch this, but if they do, it's like we're not gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> Venom is a very PG-13 movie. Um, Lots of bloodless action and death. Mm -hmm. Um, The one F word. Uh, And, you know, that's fine. I'm not one of those people that thinks there needs to be blood and gore in superhero movies. I mean, sometimes it works. Like, uh, in the Deadpool movies, Mm -hmm. obviously those could only be rated R. In order yeah. to be true to the character, yeah. Um, but you know, in my in my generic superhero movies that come out in the summer, that I watch because they're there, uh, I don't really care that much if the action's pretty bloodless. I would have been upset if there was more <laughs> violence in this because it's that's if anything I wanted less action. I liked the car chase scene with Venom on the motorcycle. That was kind of it, fun. But the other, I think there's only like two or three other big action set pieces. And I just would have preferred more Tom Hardy and Venom yelling at each other. I and think... doing wacky, goofy stuff. Like that. that's really when I got engaged with the movie. I totally agree with that. 
And I mean, it just suffers from the classic Marvel movie, even though it isn't an MCU movie, the classic MCU third act problem, which is uh, in the third act, they just have this big CGI filled fight and very, 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 very rarely is it actually visually interesting. Uh, It's usually a cacophonous mess. yeah. Yeah. No one wants that. I don't know. Maybe 12 year old boys want that, but. I just never know where to look. I'm like, what's going on? Where, I where do I look? There is the one shot where the two, it, the two Venom, Venom and Riot are fighting, and then for some reason they're like they're swirling their goo around each other, and then so you see Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed inside, and they're punching each other, which I thought was fun, that both halves are engaged in fisticuffs, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, just also, not. are they naked inside there? No. No, yeah, they're wearing they're wearing their clothes. <laughs> okay. Please, this is a PG thirteen movie. <laughs> well, I was trying to remember because I thought for a second they were, and then it's like because anyway, whatever. Where would they go? Where would the clothes go? But can't Venom like make clothes like change the appearance of Tom Hardy if he wants? I think he can heal him. I don't think he can. All right. Can he, you know. Fine. <laughs> make clothes. Not Maybe Loki. I'm picturing something I saw on Tumblr. <laughs> Um, why don't we take a break and come back and talk trivia sounds good cool stay put hey eddie who the hell is this guy i'm gonna need mr drake's property back oh what are you doing i'm uh i'm putting my hands up you are making us look bad no, I am not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Why would you do that? Because it is a very sensible thing to do. Eddie? I will take care of this myself. What? Eddie, where's the bug? <laughs> take him down. I'm so sorry about your friends. Welcome back to Box Office Bylines, where this week we're talking about Venom with Grace Seegers. Jacob, mm-hmm. in these lesser-loved Marvel movies, I wonder what the trivia section's like. Do people even care? Vast. <laughs> Vast. I think if there's any sort of comic book fandom, there was more it's trivia automatic. for this than, uh, we're talking about it next week, but but for Citizen Kane. Oh, wow. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay. So let's start with Tom Hardy's. Uh, Tom Hardy took the role because of his son, Lewis Thomas Hardy, who's a big giant fan of Venom. Um, and Hardy said he considers Venom the coolest Marvel hero because he has a brazen swagger and a zero foxtrot attitude. I do like. <laughs> it's not when... how I would have described the parasite, but I like that I, phrasing. I do like when um, actors take parts for their kids. They're like, yeah. my, my kids will like to see this. Yeah, it's cute. Some of the influences for Venom, the films of John Carpenter and David Cronenberg, as well as horror comedies like An American Werewolf in London and Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters I can I see, see. Oh, I was about to say, I can see American Werewolf in London, but I can't really see Ghostbusters. Interesting. So, intriguing. I, I haven't seen I American Slimer? Werewolf in London. So that... Slimer and Venom? Well, just sort of the weird mixture of humor with kind with of horror ectoplasm? stuff. Ectoplasm, sure. Yeah, slime. They both I have see. slime. 
I see the werewolf uh, comparison because it's <clears throat> a big element of that movie uh, is the kind of body horror aspect of it. Yeah. And there is a certain aspect of that to Venom, even though it is toned down. Because uh, an American werewolf in London is pretty gross uh, in terms of the werewolf transformation. Um, so even though it is much less gross than that, uh, there's still something kind of freaky and weird about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cronenbergian. Um, sure. Tom Hardy recorded his lines for the Venom symbiote during pre-production. They were played back through an earpiece on set, the way Johnny Depp has done for his life um <laughs> where same Brock tactic i'm sure talk to each other yeah which i guess was a technique he used on is it legend yeah i am legend is will smith but legend the <laughs> film where hardy played like two twin gangsters in london so uh he said he based his performance as eddie brock venom on three different actors i wouldn't say any of these people are really actors one i guess woody allen in terms of the tortured mm. neurosis and yeah, the humor I see that can it. come I from that. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Martial artist, mixed martial artist Conor McGregor. In the terms Irish of the taste the and capability guy. for yeah. uber violence. And rapper and actor Redman. Out of control, living rent-free in his head. Sure. There you go. I mean, Tom Hardy seems like a weird guy. Mm. Like, just in general. So... That I can see him having weird influences mm-hmm. for this role, which is a very bizarre role. He does seem like the kind of guy who like overdevelops the backstory, and he would come on set with like, "Here are the three people I'm, I really think are influencing my performance," and everyone else is like, "Great, <laughs> cool." <laughs> like Michelle Williams is like, "That's fine. I'm just gonna <laughs> say my lines, cash that check." <laughs> yeah. Um, but he did do a ton of improvisation of various weird bits, um, including the infamous scene where he dunks himself in the fancy restaurant's lobster tank. Oh, it's so good. That's such a good scene. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, yeah. And instead of live lobsters, what he actually bites into and eats is candy coated marshmallow filling with chocolate syrup, which sounds lovely. Yeah, that's good. Much better than live lobsters. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's such a that's such a good moment though when he's all sweaty and deranged and dunks mm. himself in a lobster <laughs> tank. Like you you don't get that kind of quality that's, filmmaking. That's the film in, in a single song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so much of the motorbike chase was filmed in Atlanta, Georgia, but the art department uh, had to dress the streets to look more like San Francisco, which rec- included removing many CNN and Coca-Cola logos. I mean, everything's filmed in Atlanta, though, or Georgia. That's especially yeah. Marvel movies. Um, and you always see the peach at the end of the in the credits. Yeah, you yeah. see the peach. <laughs> so I'm not surprised by that at all. Everything's Atlanta slash Georgia. Uh, Jenny Slate said that she knew a lot of people who auditioned for the role she got as the part was originally written as a male character. So then, yeah. But the casting department saw both men and women for the role. Brock and Dr. Skirth communicate with the IMQQ chat platform. IMQQ is owned by Tencent, a Chinese-owned technology media conglomerate, which has exclusive distribution rights to Sony Pictures in China. Huh. Wow. That's bizarre. 
I was thinking product when I integration was, there. I was thinking when I was watching it, like, why aren't they using Signal? This is really sensitive stuff. This should be, you know. I just why yeah, should text? I assumed him? it was like one of those fake ones they make up so they don't have to pay for something. <laughs> My face. Space yeah. Book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She face mashed me. <laughs> uh, released on the same day as A Star Is Born. <gasps> Jacob Very and I love A Star Is Born. Yeah, Both they have so much in were common. Shot by the same person, Matthew Libatique. Wow, what a day for yeah. him! What a day for him! Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> Take your family to the multiplex. I saw a Star Is Born on a plane, and it made me cry on the plane. Yeah, that was the wrong place to see it, but <laughs> like you need to be in the expanse. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, what a movie. I, I mean, this is a digression. So I'm just We're saying I saw it. Nothing on, but those on this podcast. <laughs> I saw it on the plane because I knew that I wasn't going to want to watch it. So on a plane, you have very limited options. And this was a plane to Dubai. So it was like 15 hours. Um, and I was like, I need, I need to kill time. Here is a star is born. Let's just do it. Do it and be legends. Um, and I cried on the plane to Dubai. It was great. It was fine. Wonderful movie. You know what I don't think is going to be wonderful? House hmm. of Gucci. <laughs> yeah. I that's a, that's gonna... a good plane movie. Yeah, that's a good plane movie. One of the lesser talked about effects of the pandemic is the <laughs> North Americans like seeing less movies they didn't think they'd want to see because they're trapped on planes. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Now you could just watch the things you already saw and liked or just turn on whatever like dating reality shows on Netflix. I feel like you have to be... no one is Sorry. asking me to clarify this, but I'm going to anyway. I was my final destination was not Dubai. I was going to India. Uh it's just that there was no direct flight. I don't know why I felt the need to clarify this, but I did. <laughs> I think so. Dubai. I, I mean, I would never go there, but I, I was like, oh, cool. I, you're like, inter, you're like a international yeah, Grace, reporter. You're like a, a hotshot like... reporter. Yeah, I was like, obviously, yeah. she goes to Dubai. I assumed you had some secret source you were meeting I was to in, like uncover yeah. some conspiracy. No, I was in New Brunswick over. recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was the last film featuring a Stan Lee cameo to be released during his lifetime. Though he did film two more released after his death, Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. Um, yeah, that's, it's a weird cameo. It's not one of his better cameos. He's just a random dude on the street. You know, sometimes his cameos, cameos have like zhuzh, but this is not yeah. one of them. <laughs> I never love them. I'd be like, all right, I get there why they're there. No, it's yeah. like the F-bomb. We're like waiting yeah. for right. it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the... So, the film has two credit stinger sequences. Um, the closing credits entirely with those are 19 minutes. So, like, the movie's close to two hours, but it's actually only, like, a hundred or like an hour 40. Um, but one of them has Eddie Brock going to... Spoilers, I guess. Going to prison and meeting... A serial killer who's going to be the antagonist in this next movie, the sequel. And it's revealed that person is played by... Um, Woody Harrelson. Thank it's you. I blanked on his name. Woody Harrelson in like an Annie wig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, uh, going all Hunger Games. So prior to that, top fan picks 
which I had realized they were fan picks and not studio picks, I probably wouldn't have included this because who cares what the fans think, for the role of uh, Carnage were Walton Goggins from Justified, Ooh. Jim Carrey, which I can mm-hmm. see, yeah. and Cameron Monaghan from uh, Shameless. And yeah, Gotham. I can, I can see young. all of those, actually. Um, Woody Harrelson's pretty old. Yeah, Woody yeah. Harrelson's pretty old. Uh, but I guess if you get surrounded by CGI, it doesn't matter. So there's this really crappy TV show um, called Gotham, and Cameron <laughs> Monaghan played the young version of the Joker on that show, and he did a great job. He was one of the highlights of an otherwise terrible TV show. Um, so he really had that kind of manic energy, so I can see why people would say that. Also, he's a natural redhead. Um I can also see Walton Goggins. I just watched Justified, and which is a great show if you have not seen it. Um, and he does have that energy, but he does not strike me as the type who would do a Marvel movie. So, yeah. Woody Harrelson, you know, we already know from the Hunger Games movies that he'll, he'll do a big blockbuster um, and, you know, phone it in maybe, but... <laughs> He'll do it. (laughs) It is another aspect of how gentrified superhero (laughs) movies have become is that now if you want to do a big reveal of a character, it has to be a movie star. Mm. Whereas you might have in earlier days just gotten a really interesting actor who did a good job with the role. Like Walton Goggins, I love him, but he's probably not going to, you know, draw in millions of viewers. I don't know. Like you, you end up getting the top tier A-list talent which doesn't always create the most interesting picture. I mean, one of the funniest things about the MCU in specific uh, to me is how it attracts such great talent who, you know, are just... Are underserved? Yeah, who are underserved, but just playing these ridiculous roles. Like, Sir Anthony Hopkins (laughs) is Odin in the Thor movies. Um, and like Glenn Close is in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, I mean, they're just a crazy number of sincerely, extremely talented, very famous A-list actors. And you're just like, why? Yeah. But then again, I guess money and because it makes you look cool. So. I mean, I was very disappointed when Julia Louis-Dreyfus showed up at the end of Black Widow. I was like, what is this for? And then someone said, it's for a TV show. I'm like, okay, I'll never see it. You didn't watch Falcon and Winter Soldier? I did see that. Was she in that? Yeah, she was in it. Okay. I'm not going to watch. I did. Yeah, I used to be a film critic, and I had to see some things. Um, That's all. Venom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Grace. Very nice having you on. Anything you want to plug? Any Anything you can direct people to? Uh, yes. So I also have my own podcast. Uh, it's specifically about Star Wars. It's called Hoth Takes. And it's about, uh, or it is me and two other journalists. And we just talk about Star Wars uh, and go meta into it. And it's really fun. Um, one of... My co-host is currently on maternity leave, but uh, typically it's three of us, and it's a lot of fun, so you should listen to it. Hot takes. It's a yeah, great There's name. more Star Wars content than ever, so you're going to have lots to cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's literally, the possibilities are endless. I feel like, you know, 
Star Wars is something that true fans hate it as much as they love it, and I'm definitely in that camp. Like I have no I have no neutral feelings about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and people can find you also on Twitter. Yes. At, at Grace underscore Seegers. Yep. Because Tara, they can- Oh, sorry. Go I was just going to say, when I joined Twitter, when I was like 17, Grace Seegers with no underscore was taken. And here we are. And Who does is she? that Have Grace you, like, ever tweet? Her? I bet not. Yeah, she's just a gray egg, you know. One of those. <laughs> I don't think she's ever tweeted. I may. I mean, there may it may be available now. I don't know. But I've gotten used to the underscore. God bless those people who signed up with their real names. <laughs> in 2007 or whatever nothing. and then just yeah. never bothered going back <laughs> probably doing great i yeah. bet their lives are very fulfilling yeah instead of being on it eight hours a day <laughs> tara people can find you at thorny hfx they can and they can find you at rwj boone and the show at box bylines yeah uh, if you tweet all. us we yeah. might, like you could this whole thing that's happening with Look Grace could yeah. happen to you. We tweeted her first. She didn't know who we were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it could go the other way one time. Maybe that would that's the dream. <laughs> the dream is like ultimately our like series finale will be we get Rachel McAdams and Mark Ruffalo <laughs> and Michael Keaton on and just talk about, about all the movies. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe that'll happen someday. someday. <laughs> or we get paid. I mean, this isn't this either. isn't a net financial loss. That would also be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, uh, good night, crawler. Good morning, glory, and good luck. Bye. Jay. Bye. <laughs>